You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we are here on a Monday. Unfortunately, not a victory Monday, as the Ravens lose to the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 7 by the final score of 41-17. to It was a disappointing game all around. There were a few positives to take away, but you know, for the most part, it, it was disappointing. A team that had gone 5-1 and one up to Week 7 were really looking to establish a lead not only in their division, but in the AFC, and, and they just laid a goose egg on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the second half. I, you know, that thing in Men in Black where you can just forget everything, that memory stick thing, I can't remember exactly what it's called right now, but you kind of want to do that, where you just want to forget everything. And you say, you know, look right here, flash, and, and we forget about it. But we can't do that. We're going to talk about it here today on Locked on Ravens. And I know how how hard it can be to listen to any kind of sports media after your team loses. Look, I've been there. So I appreciate everybody who's tuning in, especially after a loss. It does mean a lot to me. If you're following along with us here on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you are enjoying the content, our first goal for YouTube, at least, is 1,000 subscribers. Also, if you're following along with us in audio form, so Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcasts, be sure to follow us there. Turn notifications on. Our content comes out Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern time every single week. And also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at ChaosTracker34 and Locked on Ravens. That Twitter account is just at Locked on Ravens. So in the first segment, we'll talk about the Ravens and their offense and how that went against the Cincinnati defense. They did a pretty good job of containing Lamar Jackson and and stifling that Ravens offense. In the second segment, we'll talk about the the defensive performance, especially the second half. And then in the final segment, we'll do a bit of bye week, I guess, introduction, because the Ravens are in their bye week this week. They will not play in week eight. So getting into some some positives and negatives, because this this is a team that is still five and two, some very big positives to take away, but also some things to look at and to work on for this Ravens organization. So that being said, we'll dive into it here, starting off with the Ravens' offense against that Cincinnati defense. And it, it just seemed like the Bengals had the Ravens' number, I guess, all day. The Ravens were doing some things, moving the ball, where I think the Ravens really let go of this game was pretty early on when the Ravens were at the Bengals, I believe it was 40-yard line. And you have Justin Tucker on your sideline, and you're thinking, all right, well, you're probably going to send Justin Tucker out, right? No, the Ravens send out Sam Cook not once, but twice in those situations throughout the entire game where the Ravens could have, you know, maybe established some type of lead or some type of momentum heading into the, the halftime or heading into anything. Instead, the Ravens are worried about the field position game. And look, I understand that. I don't think that that's something you want to completely take out of the equation. But again, This isn't like you have some no-name kicker on your sideline. You have Justin Tucker on your sideline. And I think that I trust Justin Tucker to get the Ravens three points. And I I would want to take that risk and be aggressive, personally at least. You know, it seemed like the Ravens, and I'd heard this and I've seen this from a couple people, it seemed like the Ravens were playing not to lose instead of playing to win, where where they were being ultra-conservative in some situations and then really, really aggressive in others where it, it didn't really make sense. So overall, a confusing day for the Ravens' offense. Lamar Jackson, not his best day, wasn't 
terrible, but also wasn't great. 15 of 31 for 257 yards, one touchdown. He was sacked five times. The offensive line was not very good in this one. Alejandro Villanueva got worked by Trey Hendrickson for most of the game. They had to send help over there. You know, they were having Patrick Ricard chipping at him, Eric Tomlinson chipping at him. They were helping over on that side because Villanueva just could not handle Hendrickson one-on-one. It, it, it was a bad day for the offensive line for sure, especially, and it made matters worse that Patrick McCarry, the Ravens really solid right tackle goes out with an injury. He got rolled up on. It didn't look great. We'll see how he responds to it and what John Harbaugh and the Ravens say about it. Probably not a lot. Harbaugh didn't really offer a ton about it. He was asked about it. He just goes, no. So, you know, they don't want to give too much away, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was out for multiple weeks or if it was a serious thing. So the Ravens put in Tyree Phillips and Tyree Phillips played really well at guard in week one with the Ravens when he was on the field against the Raiders. He did not play well at right tackle in week seven. He just did not. It was a rough day overall. We saw Bradley Bozeman get beat on a couple of plays. Kevin Zeitler, Ben, you know, it, it happens. The offensive line is still a relatively new unit. And we'll talk about just what that means for everybody, at least the new pieces. But Jackson, the, the thing that I've noticed about Lamar Jackson, for all of the things he does so well, you know, phenomenal quarterback, a phenomenal player. Jackson sometimes holds the ball a bit too long. And I know for some people, you're you're probably thinking, okay, this is old news. And look, I get it. I, I've noticed it for a while. But against Cincinnati, it goes kind of hand in hand with a couple of things, right? One, it's the offensive line in Jackson. You know, it seemed like every play, especially late in the game, would take two steps or three steps or whatever his drop back was. He would immediately have to step up in the pocket because pressure was flushing in from both sides. And then he'd have to scramble around a bit too. You know, there are wide receivers who are getting covered really well by defenders. And the last thing that anybody wants is for Lamar Jackson to force a throw. So instead of forcing a throw, he's being smart and holding on to the ball. But there are situations where he'll run into sacks. And that's just it's just what he does sometimes. You know, it's something that happens and it's not a huge deal. But in this game, it just seemed like he was holding on to the ball and you're kind of thinking to yourself, all right, throw it or, or tuck it and run. And he just wasn't doing it a little indecisive in this game. And it happens, right? I mean, Jackson was a little thrown off. We saw Le'Veon Bell miss a blitz pickup. We saw some miscommunications on the offensive line. So, you know, it wasn't all on Jackson, but some of it definitely was on Jackson. He missed a couple of throws. The blitz was definitely getting to him. We saw him short hop a couple of things just because there was a guy right in his face. And, and again, it all starts up front for this Ravens team. And, you know, you can talk about Jackson and his performance made a beautiful throw to Marquise Brown for a touchdown early in that third quarter. Those were the last points the Ravens would score throughout the entire game. But there were also those plays in those situations where Jackson is just holding onto the ball for so long and he just isn't getting rid of it. And either he's progressing through his reads or he's doing something. So I think that's a point of emphasis that I would like to see Jackson do a little bit better, in my opinion. But at the same time, again, you don't want him forcing those throws and just saying, hey, you know, there's a guy here. Let's just throw it, throw it and see who's down there. That's not something you want every single play. So it's, it's a balance, right? It's, it's a balance of what teams do and what the quarterbacks do in their decision making. But overall, you know, I'd say Jackson was okay. You know, he wasn't amazing again, but he wasn't terrible. So I'd put him right in the middle there. And then for this Ravens run game, that's a different story. This Ravens running game, look outside of Jackson, Jackson carried this team on the ground again, you know, and it's bad that I have to say again, 12 carries for 88 yards for Jackson, that's 7.3 yards per carry. The rest of the Ravens runners, 12 carries for 27 yards, that's 2.3 yards per carry. Devonta Freeman, 4 for 14, and a touchdown. Tyson Williams, 2 for 10. Le'Veon Bell, 5 for 5, and Devin DuVernay, 1 for negative 2. And like that sequence at the end of the game, if, if you know what I'm talking about with Tyson Williams and the Ravens offense, where, you know, Lamar Jackson is out at that point, 
and Tyler Huntley's in the game. And this was the first time Lamar Jackson actually was, was pulled in the game because the Ravens were losing so, so badly. So that's a, a bad stat there, but there's, there's confusion with Tyson Williams. The Ravens have to call a timeout and then there's a false start or something, you know, just like false start, false start. And it's just crazy. It's, it's, it's pretty much just what the day was, especially the second half for the Ravens. And we'll talk about what the defense was doing in the second segment coming up in a few minutes. But the run game, we'll talk about it in the third segment of it as well. They need help. We're, we're past the point where it's oh, okay, you know, they're learning the offense and it's week two or it's week four. No, we're almost two months into the year, <laughs> two months into the football season. And it just, it hasn't really gotten better. This is a situation where you miss guys like Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins and just guys aren't hitting holes. Guys look slow. Guys are getting beat to the edge. There are faster players on the field, you know, all the, all this other stuff. It hurts a team, especially a team that relies on their running game as much as the Ravens do. And the Ravens passing offense has been good this year, but it would really, really help if they had a run game to complement it. And right now, I, I hate to say it, but they just do not. You know, Devonta Freeman and Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray, Tyson Williams, they're doing their best, but they're not Gus Edwards and they're not J.K. Dobbins. So maybe the Ravens look to a trade. We'll talk about it in the final segment. For the pass game, in terms of wide receivers and pass catchers, Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman tie for the team lead in yards with 80 yards apiece. Marquise Brown did it on five receptions. Rashad Bateman did it on three. I was really impressed with Rashad Bateman. Bateman is a guy who I think is going to be a game breaker for a very long time in this league. He was beating guys, I think, running good routes. Only three catches, but he did have six targets. Marquise Brown dominated the target share here with 14. You know, by far the most on the team. The second most was Mark Andrews with seven. Andrews finished with three for 48. Oliver, two for 29. Freeman, three for 25. Williams, two for 24. Devin Duvernay, one for 11. So Jackson's still spreading the ball out. The Ravens throw the ball 42 times. They run it 24 times. Team stats quickly before we head into our final break. My theory was busted again. <laughs> the Ravens win the time of possession battle, but they lose the game. They win the, the the battle by about four minutes, and they lose the game by a lot more points than four. So not a great game overall there. The Ravens total 393 yards of offense. They went five for 16 on third down, so not amazing there. One for four on fourth down, not great there as well, though some of that did come later in the game. The Ravens averaged 5.5 yards per play, 115 yards rushing, 278 passing, had five total penalties for 46 yards, averaged 4.8 yards per carry and 5.9 yards per pass. So, you know, this this offense just couldn't get anything going. The Bengals are doing a good job of containing Lamar Jackson and really stifling him and really having guys who could get to him if you were to scramble, but also stay in their zones and play their keys really well and just be disciplined. The Bengals play disciplined football against this Ravens offense. And that is part of the reason why they're able to be so, so successful alongside the fact that they were using their blitzes very, very effectively. So a poor day for the Ravens overall. The offense did not score after that touchdown from Lamar Jackson to Marquise Brown. They finished the day with 17 points, but unfortunately for them, the Bengals scored a lot more. We're going to head into our first break, and when we get back, we'll talk about how many points those Bengals scored and just how the Ravens' defense gave it up. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite shows 
sports, movies, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion to get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. We return here. It's our second segment of this Monday edition. No victory Monday edition of Lockdown Ravens here, unfortunately. Kevin Allstriker, your host, still hanging out with you here after a very disappointing game for the Ravens in Week 7. They lose 41-17. to To the Cincinnati Bengals, they fall to 5-2 and two as they enter their bye week here in Week 8. We talked about the Ravens' offense, how the Bengals did a very good job at stopping the Ravens and their high-powered offense for the most part, especially in the second half. But let's talk about that second half a bit more because that's where the Ravens definitely lost this game. And it was because the defense really just could not stop anything the Bengals were doing on the offensive side of the ball. The Bengals total over 500 yards of offense, 520 to be exact. They didn't do well on third down. That's the crazy part I want to start off with. They went four for 13 on third down. The Ravens did their job in terms of stopping the Bengals on third down. They go one for two on fourth down. The issue is that they couldn't stop a lot of anything else. They end up having 409 yards passing. Joe Burrow finishes 23 of 38 for 416 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Jamar Chase lights the world on fire at MT Bank Stadium. Eight receptions, 201 yards, and his one score. So it's it, it was a really bad day for Marlon Humphrey. You know, I'll, I'll start there. This might have been Marlon Humphrey's worst day as a pro. He was getting beat all day long. He had the interception in the red zone. Very big, very good play by him. But, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't salvage what happened, especially to a Ravens defense that was coming off such a good game against a very high-powered Chargers offense in week six. But this was just regression. You know, it was it was flat-out regression. There were guys who played well. Anthony Averett stepped up in a big way, especially, you know, he had that bad game in Indianapolis, but he he really came back in a good way against Los Angeles and continued his momentum in week seven against the Bengals. But, you know, part of that is the Ravens have Marlon Humphrey, and you don't want to really test Marlon Humphrey if you're an opposing quarterback. So who do you throw out? The other guy. It's the other guy who you throw out. So then the Bengals started to have success against Humphrey, and, you know, they, they kind of kept going to it a little bit. Jimmy Smith didn't have a good day as well. He was kind of – Jimmy Smith on that fourth down play the Bengals ran, he was, like, clapping and was like, yeah, like, let's do this. And then he got burned by Jamar Chase. So it was unfortunate – for Jimmy Smith to have that sequence happen, a couple others that weren't great for him as well. But these Bengals offensive weapons, they're for real. I mean, Jamar Chase is my offensive rookie of the year. In my That's my guy in my book. So I think that he has that award if he continues at his pace, all but locked up. And I think the Bengals and what they do, they ended up just torching the Ravens overall. I mean, the run game didn't do a ton until late for the Bengals. They averaged 4.6 yards per carry, but you know, a 21 yard run by Joe Mixon, a 46 yard run by Samaj P. Ryan. So it wasn't like they got a ton going. Joe Mixon, 12 carries for 59 yards and P. Ryan had 11 carries for 52 and Joe Burrow had one for no yards that there were, again, Anthony Averett played very well. I thought Josh Bynes had a good game as well. Averett led this team with seven tackles tied with Marlon Humphrey. Josh Bynes, Tyus Bowser had six, Clays Campbell had five, and then you know, the list goes on. That'd be good four. But, you know, I didn't see a ton of Brandon Williams in this game. I didn't see a lot of other guys as well. You know, Patrick Queen, I thought, played okay. He definitely had a few splash plays where he looked good. He, you know, he looked fast. He looked aggressive. And that was a good thing. But just overall... This Ravens secondary did not have a good day and missed tackles. Oh, man. (laughs) The missed tackles that this defense has given up. I don't even know what you call it. Given up over 
these first seven weeks has been unacceptable. They come into this game. I believe they were tied for the league lead in missed tackles. I'm sure after week seven is fully completed, they will lead the league in missed tackles through seven weeks. It's just at this point, what do you do? You have to fix it in some way. The Ravens missed countless tackles against Cincinnati. They gave up a ton of a ton of yards off of missed tackles, a ton of yards after the catch because of it. They blow a coverage where they quadruple cover Tyler Boyd. And look, Tyler Boyd is good, right? He deserves attention from a defense. But four guys that leaves a tight end wide open, he just runs up the field. And Deshaun Elliott misses that tackle, by the way. It just, it's a, the defensive communication. And I remember we sat here, you know, in audio form. We didn't have the video yet, but for months last year when we were talking about this Ravens team, we, we sat here for months and talked about the defensive communication and how poor it was at, at the beginning part in the middle part of the 2020 season. We talked about it the beginning part of the 2019 season. The Ravens have had very poor defensive communication in some instances over these last few years. Now, it hasn't exactly happened at the same exact time period every single year, but this was a poor game defensively in terms of communication. Musam Marlon Humphrey get confused at the line a couple of times. It was guys who weren't adjusting to audibles by the Bengals offense. So those types of things have to be ironed out. And this game honestly reminds me a bit, you know, you, you can talk about a couple of different games. I'm going to go back to 2019 and talk about the Cleveland game in week four, where this Ravens team lost 40 to 25 to a Cleveland team. They were supposed to blow out. People expect them to blow out the Browns at home. Cleveland comes into M&T Bank Stadium and just runs them out of their own stadium, much like the Bengals did to Baltimore on Sunday. And so after that game, Eric DeCosta decided enough is enough. We're making some changes. They cut Tim Williams, who was not performing well. They sign LJ Fort and they sign Josh Bynes. They later bring in Marcus Peters. They completely adjust their defense a little bit. You know, it's, it's the little things like that and the big things as well, obviously, that really can change a season. You know, what would have happened if the Ravens didn't get those veterans in? It might have been a very different year for the Ravens in 2019. Instead of going 14 and two, it probably would have been a bit different. So now the difference between what we saw then and what we saw now is the fact that weeks three and four for the Ravens in 2019, it was Kansas City in week three and it was Cleveland in week four. The Ravens gave up, I believe it was over 500 yards of offense in both of those games. And, and that's when Eric DeCosta said, all right, we're done with this. We're making some changes. The Ravens, if we take their last two games, it was week six against the Chargers and week seven against the Bengals. So they didn't have that bad first 500-yard game against the Chargers. They played really well against the Chargers. But now it's the game against the Bengals where it's like, okay, where do we go from here? And we'll talk about that in the final segment, just talk about some of the positives and negatives that the Ravens have had throughout these first seven weeks of the year so far. But these tackling issues – they just have to get better. You know, it's not all on Patrick Queen. It's it's a defensive effort. A lot of people attach Patrick Queen's name to the whole tackling thing. He's part of it, but he's not the whole only guy who's missing tackles. A lot of the defenders are missing tackles. I thought Justin Houston played a good game overall, was really getting pressure on Joe Burrow, but we've talked about this before too. The Ravens have trouble sometimes finishing sacks, where we saw Justin Houston and Adafi Owe and a couple guys get to Joe Burrow, but just couldn't finish the play. And Joe Burrow escapes, he makes something happen. And those are crushers, especially in a game that at first, I mean, this game was 13 to 10 at halftime and the Ravens defense gives up 28 points in the third and fourth quarter. So the, the Bengals blew this game open in the second half and that's where they lost it. You know, the Ravens were up 
in the early third quarter of this game. And then all of a sudden the Bengals start to very quickly chip away and say, Hey, you know, there's only a, a tiny lead here. Let's get the ball score. Let's stop them, get the ball score. And they started doing it, right? It's not like they didn't do it. They did it at a very high pace. I mean, overall, I was, I mean, look, you have to tip your cap to what Cincinnati did. They, they came to play and the Ravens didn't come to play. And it's unfortunate because this was a game that I had expected the Ravens to win, but I had seen people looking at it and saying, oh yeah, this is going to be 41-17 Ravens. And, you know, people were saying this is going to be a 30-point blowout, but divisional games always have the extra oomph to it. The Bengals had something to prove and say, hey, look, we're for real. And look, they are for real. I give a lot of credit to, to Cincinnati and what they did on both offense and on defense. I mean, they averaged 18.1, the Cincinnati receivers, excuse me, averaged 18.1 yards per catch. That is unbelievable. Baltimore averaged 14.8. So not far behind, but not particularly close to them. Seiji Uzoma had three for 91 and two scores. T Higgins, seven for 62. Tyler Boyd, four for 39. And Samaj P. Ryan, one for 23. So the Bengals are a talented offense. The offensive line, I thought, for Cincinnati Gave Joe Burrow some time later in the game. Early in the game, the offensive line for Cincinnati was giving up pressures, and the Ravens were getting a lot of pressure. But they kind of cleaned that up a little bit, and Joe Burrow was able to face the pressure and do a lot better of a job as opposed to his first game against Baltimore in reading blitzes and kind of staying calm when the Ravens did bring a lot of pressure. So there's a lot to digest in this game, and the Ravens just, you know, they pride themselves a lot on not giving up big plays and being a bend-don't-break defense. And then there are like four big touchdowns that happen. So th there's a lot this defense has to think about. Clay's Campbell said they're very up and down unit. I agree with that. You know, they're not consistent yet. He said that too. I also agree with that. So th they have the talent on the defensive unit to do a lot of good things. But it's a matter of just putting it all together and, and maybe bringing in some pieces to help them along the way here because they are definitely still missing Marcus Peters. We'll talk about Peters and his loss and also some positives and negatives from the Ravens through seven weeks as they head into their bye in the final segment. So stay tuned for that. And we will be back soon. Hey, Ravens fans, this is Kevin Ostriker with an incredible app. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about Ingot Upside. My listeners are making 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents a gallon cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Look, if you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. You know, most protein bars, they can be chunky or chalky, waxy, but a Built Bar is soft. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. We return here, our final segment of this Locked on Ravens Monday edition. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you. The Ravens fall to the Cincinnati Bengals 41-17 to at M&T Bank Stadium Week 7. And... You know, this this team overall, they have had a ton of positives. There have been some negatives as well. 
They head into their bye week at five and two. And I think, and, and this is true, it, when we were sitting here in late August, when Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins and Marcus Peters all went down and Rashad Bateman and Jimmy Smith and Ronnie Stanley and Nick Boyle and all these guys were out. I think that taking a five and two record, a lot of people would have done it. A lot of people might have taken a four and three record or maybe even a three and four record. I don't know about that, but I think a lot of people would have been content with the five and two record, at least content. And I just think that with how disappointing of a loss this was for the Ravens in week seven, it kind of puts a damper on a lot of what they've done so far really well this year. The Ravens passing offense has taken a huge leap forward overall. There have been some hiccups. There have been some cold stretches, but we've seen that leap so far that we were expecting from Lamar Jackson, where it no longer can teams say, okay, well, if you stop the run, the Ravens lose or the Ravens can't come from behind. And not that the Ravens couldn't do that stuff anyway, but those narratives, you know, they're dead now. There is not conclusive proof anymore for the most part to back that up. You can look at one game here and one game there and say, oh, this is, this is what happened. Look at the box score. But this passing offense has taken such a huge leap this year. Marquise Brown is taking another step. Rashad Bateman is looking great. You know, the Ravens have a bright future on the offensive side of the ball because guys continue to grow. And that's my big thing. It's something I've been preaching for a very long time. The Ravens don't have to win the Super Bowl every single year for me to consider a season a success. That would be nice. <laughs> I'd like for that to happen. I wish the Ravens would win the Super Bowl every year. I think a lot of people would. But, you know, that, that doesn't have to happen. And that doesn't mean that every season is an absolute failure at this point. You know, I didn't have the Ravens winning the Super Bowl this year. You know, I had them making the AFC Championship game. And, you know, we'll get into my predictions for where they stand for me right now in terms of predictions later in the week. But the reasoning behind that for me, and I explained it before, was the fact that that shows, again, its growth to me, especially with just where they are and what they have done in the playoffs so far, where they have put together strong regular seasons. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson's rookie year, he takes over, they lose in the wild card round. Second year is MVP year, they make the divisional round, but they don't win a playoff game. You know, they have the buy and then they lose to Tennessee. 2020, they win the playoff game against Tennessee. So that's a playoff win, that's growth, but then they lose in the divisional round again. So this year for me was the AFC championship year where it's, hey, it's another step in the right direction where it's not necessarily it's Super Bowl or bust, but at the same time, it shows the growth that says, hey, this team is close and they're, they're so close and they're only a couple pieces away. And I think they still are a couple pieces away, but they might have to add a few sooner rather than later because, again, what we were talking about, what I've seen out of this defense so far as Clay's Campbell alluded to, it, it's very inconsistent. They're missing Marcus Peters a ton right now his veteran leadership his ability to call out plays his ability to know what's going on in the field with Marcus Peters you have those gambles that he loses right he's not a perfect player he doesn't tackle a ton he does lose some of those gambles where he will leave his side of the field unoccupied in order to jump another route and the quarterback will burn him for it but his presence on the field next to Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith and the safety duo of Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark and even Anthony Avon on that field too as well, you know, what he's been doing this year. It, it just creates a whole different dynamic and allows the Ravens to do a lot more with their blitz packages because not only do you have Humphrey and Averitt and Smith, but you have Peters in there as well. So they're missing him a lot this year. And, you know, I, I understand that it's been a struggle sometimes to adjust to the new piece that they've had. As I've talked about before on this show, this wasn't like this happened one to two months before the regular season started. They didn't have the entire preseason to sign new guys and get them up to speed and figure out who fit and figure out who didn't. This happened 10 days before the regular season started. 
And they had to sign guys on the fly, get them up to speed and get them ready to play the Las Vegas Raiders in week one. And that's really hard considering, you know, you pretty much think you have your team set and you're thinking, all right, we have our running back room and we have a a stud corner here. We're not going to have to worry, you know, maybe the injuries will happen. And then all of a sudden you lose Dobbins in the preseason game. You lose Edwards and Peters on back-to-back plays in practice and your whole outlook changes, you know, not only, about the team in general, but you know, how much are they going to miss these guys And Ronnie Stanley's now done for the year. They haven't gotten Nick Boyle back. This team is starting to get healthy, but now as I kind of alluded to a bit in the first segment, we're past the point of, all right, maybe they can figure it out. You know, they, they definitely still could, but that's not really something that we can say a ton anymore because we're in week eight now, you know, we're almost two months into this regular season And we're not in week one. We're not in week three. We're not in week five. You know, these players have had ample time with each other. And it's hard to learn a new playbook. It's hard to fit in with a new team. I understand that. And I'm not taking away from that. But now we can know what the strengths and what the weaknesses are. And we can adjust them accordingly. Or at least the Ravens can do it. And so when you're talking about a team in week one, you know, the overreactions are there. Oh, the running game didn't rush for 5,000 yards in this game. Well, it's bad. No, that's not what happens. You have to give it a couple of weeks, give it a couple of months. Well, we've done that. We've given it a couple of weeks. We've given it a few months here. And all of a sudden, you now have a running game that isn't helping the offense a lot anymore. It forces the Ravens to drop back, I think, more than they want to. The Ravens want to throw the ball, right? They want to be a successful passing offense, and they've done it this year. But to be an even more successful passing offense, I think the run game has to step up to the plate. And they they just haven't this year. They had a good game against the Chargers, but they've struggled to get anything going. Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, Tyson Williams. The Ravens did the best that they could in the circumstances. There weren't a ton of top flight running backs. You know, there were no Alvin Kamara's or Saquon Barkley's or Christian McCaffrey's on the free agent market in early September for them to sign. So they had to do with what they had and kind of pick from a couple of guys who were either cut by their teams or were just on the free agent market waiting. And those guys had to get into game shape. They had to, again, pick up that playbook. But I think now I'm okay. And and I'm saying, hey, maybe the Ravens should go after a running back. And I think maybe one of the the reasons the Ravens might not want to pull the trigger on a trade for a running back is that once Dobbins and Edwards return next year and they trade for a guy who might have a bigger contract or they give up compensation, then it becomes, all right, this was just like a a rental. But Yannick Ngakwe was a rental, and they paid a pretty hefty price to get Ngakwe. So I think that if this team really does, you know, value getting the full potential out of their team, they could make some moves. Now, obviously, they believe in their guys, and I think they could take that route where they don't really do anything. But I think that they're they're – close this game against Cincinnati doesn't make it seem like they are I understand that it makes it seem like they're very far away but I think this was a wake-up call I think that the Ravens gone through a lot of close games and hadn't really been been able to truly look themselves in the mirror yet I mean after winning close games against Kansas City and Detroit and Indianapolis and you know all those other ones as well you you have to look at that and say all right they could have lost to Detroit and they honestly probably should have lost to Detroit without a Justin Tucker field goal, 66-yarder NFL record, and without a miracle fourth and 19. They should have lost to the Colts without a massive comeback, one of the greatest in Ravens history. They lost to the Raiders because their defense couldn't hold up in the fourth quarter in overtime. They almost lose to the Chiefs because their defense couldn't stop anything late, but a couple of time new plays win. So if they lose those games instead of winning them, this team is looking a lot different right now, but it speaks to their resiliency and it doesn't take away how proud I am of them. It doesn't take away those wins and how they performed and how resilient they've been because they've been that way. 
But now with this loss against the Bengals, they are looking themselves in the mirror because it's not coming after a win. It's coming after a loss. You look at losses a little bit differently than, than you look at wins, regardless of if they're ugly, if they're pretty, whatever. The Ravens lost this game in a really bad way. It was not how the game was expected to go by a ton of people. The Bengals believe in themselves. The Ravens believe in themselves. But the difference was one team came to play and the other didn't. So now the Ravens look themselves in the mirror and they can say, hey, we really do have a couple of things we have to work on here. And if they don't get fixed quickly, we're going to have to figure it out. The trade deadline is quickly approaching. We'll talk about it here throughout the rest of the week on Locked on Ravens. But there are some things to figure out. But I don't want to take away from the positives that this team has really given me and given everybody this year. The fact that the passing offense has improved, they're seeing growth and improvement from a lot of their young players. There are a few guys who need to improve and still work and still get better, but it's all, it's all a part of the growing pain aspect of everything that the NFL game has to offer. And there are ups and downs in a season. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Unfortunately, you know, every team can't win 17 games every single year and all of a sudden win the Super Bowl. There's one champion, Ray Lewis said it. There's one champion at the end of the year and it's not always the Ravens. So, I do think that this team has given a lot of positives so far this year. They're 5-2. and two. I'd say that is an absolute win. This loss, again, it puts a damper on things, especially because we have to talk about it here for two weeks before the Ravens play again after their bye. But I'll say it, you know, there's a balance. You know, this Ravens team, they're, I think, as good as they can get in terms of what happened. But at the same time, there are things they can improve upon. So, you know, while people are saying, all right, this team is terrible because they lost this game, I don't I don't see it that way for people who are saying this loss doesn't mean anything. I also don't see it that way. They're right in the middle. They've given a lot of good things. They also have things to improve upon. So, you know, that's kind of my way of looking at it and, and kind of not overreacting to both sides of the spectrum there. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. When we get back tomorrow, we'll be continuing to talk about this Baltimore Ravens football team. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.